Lord, that's what we sing tonight. It's all about you, God. We're here because it's all about you. We're connected online because it's all about you. God, we don't make it, Lord, as a show or to impress people. Lord, we're not here because we have to, but we're here because we want to. We serve you because we want to, God. And Lord, we just want to be with you. We want to love you more and worship you. And God, we just want to be still before you as we find this time tonight as like an oasis, an island, God, of safety, Lord, from the world, from our busy week. And we just enjoy your presence right now. And we just want to just melt into your love and feel your peace. God, as your presence, Lord, fills this place and as it goes through uh, the wires online and throughout the internet, God, Lord, we, we sense your, your presence. And we ask, God, that as we've been singing and worship to you, that at the same time you would continue to minister to our hearts in your word. And I pray that you would bless your word, God. Anoint, Lord, at this time with your spirit. Give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying to us tonight. We love you, God. And so we lift up this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening. Aloha, everyone. Welcome, you guys, online, too. If you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, and we will continue with our study here through the book of Luke. We finally made it into chapter 3, I mean 23 last week, and uh, I know we took a while in the last chapter, but I'm going to try and keep moving on here, and we actually have uh, chapter 23 and chapter 24 left uh, in this book, and as I mentioned earlier, though we have two more chapters, or a chapter and a half or so, uh, after tonight. Uh, we know that Luke, he, he writes a lot in each of the chapters. and So the chapters are long, so we'll see how long it takes. But uh, it is good to be going through this and coming to our passage tonight. And as we already prayed, we're going to get right into our message. Last year, Andrea Marcato from Italy won the longest race of his life. This race is called the Siri Chimney, I guess the name of the guy who, who, who introduced this, and it's called the Siri Chimney Self-Transcendence 3100 Race, 3100 Mile Race. Yes, you heard that right. 3,100 miles. That's how long this race is. Crazy. Competitors actually run around a one-block section in Queens, New York, which is really only about a half a mile long. So that means the race actually lasts, get this, 52 days. Crazy. They run from 6 a.m. to 12 midnight with rest and food breaks in between. And it is a total of 5,649 laps. Isn't that crazy? Marcado said the biggest test of the race was, and I quote, definitely monotony. I would say so just running around that many times. I would say more like, for me, miles of suffering. <laughs> 
I mean, would you like to try that? If you want to, the next race is September 4th. So, Dean, you could sign up right now. <laughs> or not. <laughs> well, not for me, not for me. Even for me, just one mile is too much. <laughs> well, tonight, as we return to our study in Luke, Jesus is led away to his crucifixion. And his last steps for him are really the longest of his life. I titled our message tonight, The Longest Mile. The Longest Mile. And we're going to be studying Luke chapter 23 from verse 26 through 32 tonight. Verse 26 to 32. And we're going to see three things here. And this is wraps into our points. Number one, the unexpected calling. Number two, the uncontrolled weeping. And number three, the undeserved suffering. So this is the three main points we're going to see. Again, the title of our message, The Longest Mile. Well, let's begin here. Number one, the unexpected calling. The unexpected calling. Now we begin here with verse 26. In this section, we're only going to take that one verse. So verse 26, Luke 23, it reads, as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And we'll stop there. We begin how they. Now when we read the word they, this is talking about the Roman soldiers. They led him, that's Jesus, away. They led Jesus away to be crucified Basically, you remember last time we saw six trials, right, of Jesus. Uh, much of it was unjust, illegal. Uh, uh, half of it was the Jewish religious leaders, and then they brought him to Pilate to try and get Pilate to condemn him to death. And after seeing Pilate, he went and saw Herod. Herod just basically beat him up while Jesus stayed silent, went back to Pilate, and Pilate. Uh, tried to get him off, but the crowd chose Jesus to be crucified, remember, by, by yelling and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So here we are, condemned to die on the cross. Jesus is led now. Now when it says here in verse 26 that they led him away, it, basically they led him through the streets of Jerusalem. And they winded through all the streets to head toward outside the city where the place of the crucifixion was to take place. And so here's Jesus being led to his death. So as they were going now, we find in verse 26, one of the Roman soldiers seized, that's they, seized one Simon of Cyrene. They grabbed him. They basically ordered him, hey, you. And most, uh, I mean, most likely it was that random, you know, at this point, as they're leading Jesus through the streets, one of the soldiers like, hey, hey, you, come here, you know, kind of thing. And if a Roman soldier tells you to do something, you have to do it. So here's Simon grabbed at random by the Roman soldier. Now, one thing we know of Simon that Luke writes here is, is that Simon is of Cyrene. And most likely, Simon is a Jewish man. Simon's a Jewish name. And he's from Cyrene. Cyrene is actually a city in North Africa. And there, there was a big Jewish like settlement there. 
And here is Simon Cyrene coming from the country, coming outside uh, of Jerusalem from North Africa, traveling all the way for what? The Passover. Um, that's why he was there, because right, the Passover celebration was happening right at this moment. So here's Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and then it says, laid on him, the soldiers laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. So when we read the cross here, it's the cross beam. So it's it's a long part, the horizontal part of the cross that we know of or like we see in this room. Uh, the vertical part usually is or stuck in the ground or will be stuck in the ground, but already there at the location. And so they would lay the beam down, or in some movies they even show the whole beam coming down. Uh, like there's a hole in the middle, and it's kind of lifted and put down upon the um, vertical part. Um, some movies show them it's the beams laid down, you know, on top of the actual vertical part. So however it was exactly, um, either way, it was just that beam part that Jesus was required to carry across his shoulders. Well, uh, they called Simon now to grab that beam from Jesus and to carry it behind uh, Jesus because he couldn't. So Simon just happened to be picked to carry the heavy cross beam. Jesus couldn't. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Why Jesus couldn't. Remember how in verse 63 of chapter 22, Jesus was blindfolded and beaten and mocked. This was this was after the trial with the religious leaders. Then in verse 11 of chapter 23, when he stood before Herod, remember he was silent, then, then Herod has his guards, his guys, abused Jesus, probably beating on him, mocking him, and all that. And then we know from Matthew 27, verse 26 to 31, that Jesus was mocked and beaten by the Roman soldiers, and he was scourged, by the Roman soldiers. Before he was led down, it all happened before he was led down the streets of Jerusalem. So you can imagine, I mean, three beatings and the last one was the most severe ones. And think about this. By this time, Jesus is being uh, basically led through the city streets. He hadn't slept the whole, the whole night before. So you can imagine how exhausted he is already. Remember, he was praying, then they came to arrest him. It wasn't like he got a good night's sleep there. He was emotionally drained, right? Remember, we saw his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat great drops of blood because the emotional strain and the spiritual strain that he was about to go and die on the cross. And remember, that's when he prayed, not my will, but your will be done, you know, to the Father, right? So you can imagine already that stress and strain and emotional stress. He hadn't slept. And then he's beaten several times, as I mentioned. And when, he, when the Roman soldiers beat him and scourged him, they, they took like, they, it wasn't a whip or anything, but it was a scourge. They took like a cat of nine tails. And he was, he was scourged by brutal Roman soldiers. They say there's like nine, nine strands, leather straps, but it's not the straps. They would embed pieces of glass, sharp pieces of glass, 
sharp pieces of metal, even nails in that. So when they scourged him, his arms would be tied to this post, his back, back bent over like this. So it's stretched out. And they would give him the scourging uh, 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 and just keep going back and forth, back and forth, and just, just ripping his back. Uh, some uh, doctors, medical doctors or in historians, they talk about that uh, his back would have been laid raw. I mean, it's just totally bleeding. Strips of skin hanging. Even scourging can expose organs. And one medical doctor said that, uh, Jesus, when you're scourged, you're, you're, you're scourged just sh- short of collapse. So that's the state that Jesus was in. And then, you know, the Roman soldiers also twisted a crown of thorns, pressed it onto his head so that the thorns are pushing into his scalp. And then they took a stick and beat his head, even pushing it farther down. So you can see how Jesus couldn't carry this crossbeam. At a certain, maybe he was trying, he was struggling, stumbling. At a certain point, he probably fell. And the Roman soldiers realized, you know what, this guy is so, so bust up that, you know what, he cannot carry this 100-pound crossbeam. It wasn't a light piece of wood. It was 100 pounds. So every step Jesus took was already difficult. He was so weak that the soldier grabbed Simon, and Simon was forced to carry that crossbeam. Interesting, though. Simon got picked out to carry this. And so this is why I call this the unexpected calling. And what I want you to see here is the unexpected calling to carry the cross brought Simon, guess what, face to face with the Savior Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Simon came face to face. Here, Jesus is all but, you know, the crown, and he's bleeding, he's weak, yeah. His back is laid open. And here, the unexpected calling to carry the cross actually brought Simon face to face with the Savior, Jesus. Now, we may think that Simon just, quote-unquote, happened to be there at that moment, seeing this. He, maybe he just arrived, or he'd been there, and, and everyone's hearing about what's going on, and we're going to read about the whole crowd all around. But here's Simon, part of that. And out of all the people in the crowd, he gets picked to, to carry that cross beam. It seems so random, but you know what? It was God's sovereign plan. What's interesting in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, it gives us a little more information. Simon, it says, there was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And perhaps when Mark wrote that, and even when Luke mentioned Simon here of Cyrene, everyone reading this would understand that, oh, we know his sons, because Paul wrote in Romans sixteen thirteen that these guys greet Alexander and Rufus. Greet these guys. They're you know they're like well known people in the church in Rome. Matter of fact, Paul even said in Romans sixteen that uh, their mom was like a mother to him. Most likely, 
I think Simon here was deeply impacted by what happened here. Face to face with Jesus. I'm sure that he brought the crossbeam all the way to the place where Jesus was crucified. We're going to see that next time. Outside the city. And most likely he stayed there. And he watched everything happen. And, and when Jesus was put upon a cross and lifted up. And when he was hanging there. And he saw Jesus give his life and die there for his sin. I think he, he, all that came together for him. Perhaps maybe it was later when the apostles witnessed the gospel, but he was there. He was a first-hand witness to all of that. And so I think it was God sovereignly reaching out to Simon to save him. And then later his wife got saved. And, and his kids, Alexander and Rufus, his sons were saved. And they all became a big part of the church. Interesting, isn't it? The unexpected calling to carry the cross brought Simon face to face with the Savior, Jesus. Perhaps God is doing the same in your life. Maybe things are happening to you. Maybe things just happen to come upon you. Yeah? And you think, why, why me, Lord? Why, why me? It just seems so random. Why me? But perhaps it, the whole reason is to bring you face to face with the Savior, Jesus. Perhaps what you're going through, perhaps the struggles, perhaps something all of a sudden happening to you, this accident that happened. Yeah? Why out of all the cars? Why me? But it's brought you to this place where maybe you're connected online right now. And I'm bringing Jesus to you. So you'll be face to face with Jesus and to know that the one who loves you sacrificed himself and died for you. Perhaps we're sitting here tonight and we're realizing, wow, these things happening or, or I happen to be here tonight. It, it's not happened to be. It's ordained. It's been appointed. It's been orchestrated. God wanted you to be here so you would hear this and come face to face with Jesus. That your life may be changed. I know a man who stumbled into uh, the church uh, I was on staff with years ago in California. I know a man who stumbled into the church. And you know what? He, he saw all the people going into the building and he thought it was a bar. He was lost. He was looking for this bar. And you know what? He went to church, came face to face with Jesus, and he got saved that night. And today, he's, he's a pastor at, at a Calvary Chapel in Oregon. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It seems so random, but it is God who done it. And that's what we see here. This unexpected calling to carry the cross brought Simon face to face with the Savior Jesus, and it was really to bring him to the Lord and his whole family. And they would become uh, great servants of the Lord for his kingdom later on. So amazing. In this, the longest mile, came this unexpected calling, but it was really from the Lord. Let's go on now to number two. To number two. The uncontrolled weeping. The uncontrolled weeping. Now, here is going to be our longest section from verse 27 through 31. 27 through 31. But first of all, let's read verse 27. 
And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Now stop right there. Now following Jesus was this crowd. I mean, there, there was a, a, a crowd of people. I'm sure there was crowd, a crowd of people lining the streets as he wound his way. But there were people following this procession as they went through the streets of Jerusalem. Now, some of the people, I believe, were the same ones who once cried out to Jesus just only six days, seven, six days, six days or so, five, six days earlier, right? On that triumphal entry on that Sunday, this is Friday, you know, saying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, uh, palm branches, putting out their coats as like red carpet, saying, yeah, this is the Messiah, basically. But remember that same crowd, just hours earlier or, or, or so, an hour earlier, were crying, crucify him, crucify him. So some of the crowd, some of the people here that followed them, the great multitude of people, they were part of that, that crowd that went to watch Jesus die. But there was other people, and there was the women, and I believe, I would say the women, who were mourning and lamenting for him. I believe uh, some of the people and some of the women were believers still of Jesus. And probably the women were the women who were following Jesus. We know from other accounts that they were there at the cross. Uh, John was there too. But I'm sure there's other believers, other men, but the women for sure. So probably the women that... Uh, Luke mentions here when he says a great multitude of people and of women. The women, I think he's really putting out the women like Mary and the other Mary. And maybe there's another Mary, but Solomon and all that, yeah, following there. So they were mourning and they were lamenting for him. Basically, they were uncontrollably weeping. So... The, this is the uncontrolled weeping that is brought out there. Weeping for Jesus. Weeping for what's going on that he is being led to his death. Well, look what happens next in verse 28. But turning to them, verse 28, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, verse 29, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bored, and the breast that never nursed. Then they will begin, begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? So Jesus, he is prompted when he hears the uncontrolled weeping. And so he turns to the women who are weeping, and perhaps it's, you know, in general, he's really talking to the nation of Israel. And he's turning and saying, hey, you know, don't, don't weep for me. Don't, don't, don't weep for me. But, you know, weep for yourselves and your children, basically. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about, hey, there, a time is going to come when it's going to get so bad that you wish that you're barren, that you didn't have children, that you didn't have babies to nurse. That, that's what he's saying. It's going to be so bad because Jesus know that, knows that less than 40 years of this time right here, 
that we're reading right now, there's going to be a siege on Jerusalem by the Roman army. They're going to surround it, and, and they're going to starve them out. And they're going to come in. Because of, Jew, of a Jewish rebellion, they're going to come in then and then destroy Jerusalem and then destroy, ransack Jerusalem and destroy the temple. Remember Jesus prophesied that earlier, right, in Luke, that judgment will fall upon yeah, the, the city, upon the nation because of their rejection. And so Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't wait for me, but wait for, for this time that's going to come. It's going to get so bad that you're going to say, oh, may the mountains fall upon us. May the hills cover us. In other words, it just speaks of this is going to be a, type, a, a time of horror and pain and suffering like they've never experienced before. So it's sort of a saying, hey, the mountains fall upon us, hills, but it's, it's really just saying, oh, this is so hard. We're suffering. This is so hard. So then in verse 31, Jesus gives this little proverb, like a saying back then. And he says, if, if they uh, do these things, the Romans do these things when the wood is green, so if, if the Romans are crucifying me, an innocent person, when the wood is green, when, when things are going good, in other words, when, when th- things are all right, when things are in the green, like, you know, uh, plants are growing, the gra- grass is green, you know, what are they going to do when it's dry? What are they going to do when, when, when the grass isn't green anymore, when things aren't good? When the drought of bad things come. In other words, if Rome does this to an innocent person today, what will they do when they come against the rebellion of the Jews? That's the thought. Because Jesus knows what's going to happen, right? In 70 AD, yeah, the Romans, in response to this Jewish rebellion... You know, they're going to end up coming in hard and strong. You know, history tells us that they massacred 100,000 people, women and children. So it's pretty bad. So that's what Jesus is talking about. So the women are, you know, they're uncontrollably weeping, but Jesus cried out and he, he cried to them and warned the Jewish crowd of the judgment coming. You know what I see in this was compassion. It wasn't done in anger, but it was done in compassion, you guys. I mean, I think it's crazy. He's being led away to die, and these women are weeping. So he takes that opportunity with compassion to try and reach out yeah, to them, to warn them. I want you to listen to this, and I'm just going to read it. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen to it. And this is Luke 19, verse 41 through 44, and it's the NLT translation. But uh, listen to this. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that if that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is peace is hidden from your eyes. 
Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because, and Jesus says this, you did not recognize it when God visited you. Remember, that was when Jesus wept over Jerusalem. You see, that's his heart, compassion, knowing judgment is coming. So he's calling out to them with love. So here's what I want you to see here in this section. The uncontrolled weeping prompted Jesus to reach out even in the midst of his own suffering. I think that's amazing. The uncontrolled weeping prompted Jesus to reach out even in the midst of his own suffering. I mean, he was already, right, laying himself aside, going to the cross, but even more so, even even as I talked about how much he was suffering, he was beaten, he was scourged, yeah? He He was so weak, yeah? Maybe the loss of blood, everything he's gone through emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. Yet, at this point, when he heard the weeping, he reached out to the crowd. He reached out to women. He reached out to say, you guys, I'm weeping for you right now. He set himself aside even at that moment. Isn't that amazing? I mean, so many times if we're hurt, something goes through, through us, especially when it's severe, all I'm thinking about is me, but not Jesus. He literally here did what he asked the disciples to do, right? Take up, deny yourself and take up your cross. I mean, he literally was, was denying himself. I was thinking about how you know, mothers know, yeah, what the the feelings, yeah, what kind of feelings that rise up when you hear your babies cry. You, you know how that feels, right? Uh, even when your older children cry. I think, right, mom, even when your adult children cry, you still feel that tug, right? And it pulls on your heart. You know, when, you, when your little baby's crying, it, it, it pulls on your heart. And no matter what you may be going through, no matter struggles you have, no matter what you're feeling, you, you push yourself aside to care for that baby, your own, that's crying. Well, that's Jesus here. That's him right here. Full of love and compassion and weeping. Tears are being shed for the people of Israel here. I was convicted, <laughs> I don't know about you, but how selfish I can be, yeah? How self-seeking I can be and not compassionate for the other. Let us, you guys, be filled with compassion for those around us who are literally, right now, heading to hell. May we die to ourselves and live for God and share Jesus. Share that love to the, with those around us. Lay ourselves down 
deny ourselves, yeah? Take up that cross. Take, uh, be willing, that's what it means, to, to die, to go to the death, yeah? For others, to follow Jesus, to do God's will in your life. That's what Jesus did. That uncontrolled weeping prompted Jesus to reach out even in the midst of his own suffering. Amazing what's going on in the longest mile of Jesus' life. Amazing. In this unexpected uh, calling comes Simon, but that was God. The uncontrolled weeping, then we see Jesus reaching out. And now let's go to number three, the undeserved suffering. The undeserved suffering. Here we go to verse 32, our last verse for tonight. And we read here in Luke 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. So here, really, Luke is saying there's two other guys with Jesus. Now, uh, understand that. This is like this, this, this parade of soldiers and the condemned to die, the three men. Um, and they're winding through the streets of Jerusalem. The Romans would do that to kind of show the, the people this is what happens when a crime is committed. So it's sort of like a deterrent too. And, and they would wind through the streets. And commentators tell us it was a mile long. That's why this is the longest mile for Jesus. And so Luke tells us there's two others. Who are these two guys? Well, they're the two thieves that we read about in the other Gospels who are really real criminals. That's what Luke is saying. There's two others who were criminals. They were thieves. They were the real criminals here. Yeah. They were justly convicted and sentenced because of their crime. But you know what Jesus is saying? I mean, Luke is saying, but with them is Jesus. Jesus, who is, as we understand, completely innocent, uh, unjustly condemned, yeah, at this point. This is what Luke is saying. You know, the two other guys are criminals, not Jesus. And, And all of them, they were led away to be put to death with Jesus. So they're all traveling like criminals, here. But you know what? This is prophesied in Isaiah 53, 12. The, the second part says, he was numbered with the transgressors. He was part, he was numbered with the criminals here. So this is actually prophecy, Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah 53, 12, being fulfilled that Jesus was numbered. Jesus was treated like a criminal, but he wasn't. The two other guys were, but not Jesus. So picture just seeing. It's this, it's this parade, basically, uh, snaking through uh, the streets of Jerusalem. In the lead is the Roman soldier, probably the leader, on his horse, and he's out front. He's leading this whole pack. And then there's two soldiers behind him, marching behind him walking in, in, in formation two side by side. Then comes another soldier and he's holding this sign. And on the sign is written the crime that is committed by the men following behind him. Uh, written is their crime and why they're sentenced to die on the cross. To die by crucifixion. 
Now you can imagine the first soldier walking, and on that sign says, King of the Jews. We read that in the, the other Gospels. I think we read it last, earlier too. But that's what he's carrying. And right behind him is Jesus, barely walking, barely making it through. Um, and then Simon of Cyrene, yeah, he's, he's carrying that crossbeam behind him. Then there's another soldier with a sign. And the, the first man, the first thief, yeah, the first criminal, uh, the soldier with the sign has his crime, and then the, 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 the criminal behind him carrying his crossbeam. Then another soldier with a sign for the second man and his crime, and the second man behind him carrying a crossbeam. And then after that, um, there's some soldiers behind that. So that's this parade sneaking their way through the streets, heading toward the, the wall and the gate of Jerusalem outside the city to the area where they will be crucified. And so here's Jesus being marched along, probably another soldier's prodding him, pushing him, because Jesus is barely walking. But here's Jesus going along the streets along with the two thieves. And here's Jesus being led to be put to death. Next week we're going to get into the whole crucifixion. But think about this. Jesus is sinless. Pilate said he was not guilty. Jesus is, has to be sinless because he's a sinless lamb of God, right? So Jesus had to die like a criminal so he can take on our sins. The crime we committed was our sin against God. And the penalty is death. And Jesus had to pay for that. Remember the sacrifices uh, in the Old testament like the lamb right had to be without blemish right because if the lamb basically the the lamb without blemish was a symbol of 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 the atonement this lamb would die for the sins of the people and if the lamb had a blemish it was a symbol of oh the lamb was sinful itself and couldn't die for the people it had a problem itself so it had to be without blemish to be able to atone for the sin of the people in death. Well, that's Jesus. Jesus is sinless in that way. That's why he is the Lamb of God. So Jesus died a criminal's death so we wouldn't have to. Jesus died basically in our place. Yeah, We should have been on a cross. We, because our crime was sin against God. We should have... Uh, been under that death penalty and we should have hung on a cross but Jesus said no I'm coming in for you and he died in our place as the sacrifice lamb this is what it's called substitutionary atonement we understand this I mean like in sports right oh someone's subbing in right for the other player yeah uh, the, the, you know, someone's coming in to, what do they call it, baseball? Pinch hitter or something like that, right? And that's the idea. They're subbing in, you know, a substitute in the game. Well, that's what Jesus did for us. Though he was sinless, he stepped in for us and took the penalty. He took on our sin, so to speak, and died, paid the penalty for our sins. So we wouldn't have to. So he was there. So here's the last point. 
the undeserved suffering and a criminal's death was Jesus taking the hit for our sins. Do you see that here? He was marched along as a criminal, which he wasn't. He was led away to die as a criminal. He was with this group of people being led through Jerusalem. And all the undeserved suffering and the criminal's death that he was to die, well, that was Jesus taking the hit for our sins. Do you understand why, you know, this is all happening? Do you understand why that Christ's blood is the atonement for our sin? Because of this, because of what we're seeing, because he's, he, he didn't commit any crime, he's sinless. But he died as a criminal as he took upon our sins. That's why his blood is atonement for our sins. That's why we can be forgiven through Christ. That's why we believe in the work of Christ for our atonement. And that's why there's no good work that we can do to atone for our sins. And there's no need anyway. We can atone, atone for our own sins. But, and we don't need anyway because Christ did. And that's why God said in John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that whoever what, believes in him, believes in that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, who came to this earth, who died on the cross for our sins, he did the work and rose again from the dead. If we believe in him yeah, and what he did, then we will have eternal life. It's all coming out right here in what we're studying. So the undeserved suffering and a criminal's death was Jesus taking the hit for our sins. I like this story. Um, Garcia was the leader of his jungle camp they were like um almost like uh um i don't know this group of people in in the south american uh place when they're their own little community um one night his lieutenant came to inform him that someone had stolen food from the supply tent food was in short supply so garcia announced that he would severely punish this person by a whipping the next night thief went to steal again but this time was caught but there was one problem that came to light that the thief was actually Garcia's mother what is he going to do if punishment was carried out the whipping his frail mother would die but if it's not carried out uh, justice wasn't carried out the, the, the people in the camp will no longer trust Garcia, because it wouldn't be justice. Well, everyone gathered to see the next day what the verdict would be and what the sentence would be. Garcia, as judge, pronounced the crime and the punishment. Then he got down, removed his shirt, and wrapped his arms around his mother. He ordered the lieutenant to whip his back in place of his mother here. Justice was satisfied. And love was given sacrificially. That's what Jesus did. So you understand now how much Jesus took upon right, his body for us, for you and I, for all of our ugly sins, for the sins of the world. That's what happened. 
Do you see how much that means? How much He loves you? How much love He has for us that He would do that for you and I? I think it's amazing because as Romans 5.8 says that God chose His love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did that first, not not because we were so good or He thought, oh man, you're all you know you've done some good things. No, we were sinners, and He still died for us. I'm going to close with this old song, and it's um, called the Via. Dolorosa. In Latin, it means the way of suffering. Down the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem that day, the soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see the man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding from a beating, there were stripes upon his back, and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head, and he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. The bridge says the blood that would cleanse the souls of all men made its way through the heart of Jerusalem. And then the chorus in this famous song is this, Down the Via Dolorosa, called the way of suffering, like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me, down the Via Dolorosa, all the way to Calvary. I love that song. And um, I remember when we were in visiting uh, Jerusalem, taking a tour uh, of Israel, that we walked a little bit down that Via Dolorosa, where they believe where Jesus actually walked, walked down. It was moving. It was heavy. But this is our Jesus. This is what he's done for you and me. He, he, he went the distance yeah. when he took that road, when he took for him the longest mile. Let's pray. Lord, we are humbled to really think about all that you've done for us, Lord, especially reading, God, this passage tonight. God, may our minds go to how much you suffered, how much you went through, how much you were beaten and scourged and the, the stripes and strikes of, against your back, Lord. No wonder you couldn't carry the cross beam, Lord. You were just way too weak. But Lord, it speaks to me of how much you went through for me. God, that's love. Why you would do that while we are still sinners, Lord, is amazing to me. But God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for what you did. Lord, even crying out to to the people of Israel to, to not weep for you, but weep for the city, weep for what's coming that they may turn in repentance to you. And tonight, God, you weep for us that we may turn in repentance, Lord. That, that there is a judgment coming, Lord, upon this world soon. When the tribulation happens upon the world, God, it will be 
an outpouring of your judgment. And God, you weep for those who are lost. God, may we weep with you, Lord. May we serve you, God. May we uh, do what we can with love and compassion to reach others, not with hate and hostility, not with uh, trying to make people live up to our expectations or put an air of legalism upon them, but God, may we have mercy. May we have grace. May we show love and reach out and draw people to you so that they may live for you. Lord, that is you. That is your heart. May we die to ourselves and not be so concerned about ourselves, our right, our, what, what we should be given. But may we humble ourselves and reach out to those that are even, even causing heartache and pain and suffering. Lord, you took upon your body. You were a substitute for us. You took upon your body our sins. And Lord, I know that was the longest mile for you, but I thank you that you did. And help us all, Lord, to go the distance for you in this dark world, in this time we live in, God, that we would hold on endure and persevere God to live for you because God you did it all for us and Lord I pray right now for anyone at the sound of my voice who needs to be forgiven may they look to the cross Lord I pray for anyone who needs you to be saved may they come to the cross Lord, I pray for those who maybe have wandered away, God, that they would find you, restoration at the cross. And God, I pray for all of us that we would be reminded tonight of who we are today in Christ because of what you did at the cross. So may we remember the cross and all that you suffered, especially here tonight in this, your longest mile. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.